Hey there, good people. Welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work, and dreams of our Northern Health family. My name's Steve, and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders past, present, and future, embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you. We're visiting today with one of Northern Health's consumer representatives. She's lived through an absolutely horrendous birthing experience at a private hospital, which led her to a new career in counselling. And she's recently completed a dream pilgrimage in Spain with her family, proving that life is there to be lived. Leanne Murphy, welcome to Visiting Hours. Thank you, Steve. It's my pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to meet you and I'm really looking forward to our chat today. We'd just like to note that this episode of Visiting Hours does contain some rather confronting material, which we've edited significantly to stay in keeping with the tone and length of the show. We have, however, included a complete version of Leanne's birthing story in a special bonus episode. We feel it's important to understand where she's come from to fully appreciate the triumph she's experienced. But we thought we'd give you the choice. So today's episode's a little bit different in that uh, Leanne isn't a Northern Health employee, but she is a consumer representative or patient representative giving advice to the hospital on how we can improve the experiences of patients. To be clear, I was never a patient here. So so my experience didn't happen at this hospital, happened at another hospital. But I work as a consumer for this hospital purely because it's near to me. I live in Doreen and this is near to me and I also work for Western Hospital as a consumer for them as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Yep, excellent. All right, well, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and, and okay. your journey. And, and Okay. So I'm married to a wonderful Irish man, Paddy, and I have two children, Connor and Molly. So Connor is just turned 14 and Molly's 12. And I guess the reason that I'm here today is I'll be talking about my birth trauma story, so my birth story, and that is actually the story of Molly's birth, so that was 12 years ago. Right. But what I do for a job now is I'm a counsellor. I have a private practice, Blue Hearts Counselling, and I counsel and mostly, but not only, but mostly I specialise in birth trauma healing. Right. And I usually am seeing mums that are suffering with postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety, um, sometimes just mums that are struggling with overwhelm, burnout, etc. Mm-hmm. And I'm also an author of a children's book, um, when mummy went to hospital, I wrote a book and my children are the illustrators. So I'm a counsellor now, I'm an author now and I, yes, and I basically am a wife. Excellent. And what, for those of you that, I mean, I know it's kind of descriptive in, in its actual title, but birthing trauma, like what, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a good question. People? So people ask, you know, how do you define birth trauma? And it's actually very simple. If the woman feels, and it can happen to men as well, if the person feels traumatised by the birth, they were. If they feel traumatised by any appointments before, during and after their birthing experience, they are traumatised. So they are suffering with a traumatic birth experience. So it's actually very simple. You know, you don't have to fit into a category. If you are having flashbacks, nightmares, thinking about it all the time, can't quite put your finger on what's this feeling, you are 
in a state of, you know, remembering something with trauma. So that's how I describe it. Mm. And what about for you, like your journey itself? Like yeah. what, what was that? What, so what was the I had, so 12 years ago when my daughter was born, I had a catastrophic fourth degree tear. So I was actually completely torn open. So my perineum didn't exist. On day five, with my anatomy unrecognisable, I was discharged. I didn't advocate for myself and I have blamed myself for that for too long. I've released that blame off myself now, but for a long time, oh, I should have said something, I should have advocated for myself, I should have spoken up. And it took me three surgeons to find someone that would actually try to fix me Mm. because, as they all said, I don't want a bad result on my name. I don't want a bad outcome to tarnish my books. And I was like, but I don't care about your books. I want an opportunity to live my life. It was at the six-month mark. So let that sink in that I have had a birth and for six months my anatomy is unrecognisable. So for six months I haven't left the house. I'm not taking the kids around a walk, around the block, going to the park. I don't do the shopping. I am squelching permanently. So I am not well. I'm doing my best to manage and I'm still breastfeeding. I don't know how I managed that, but I did. It took five years to be continent and I still live with faecal incontinence. So I have a lifelong injury from my birth trauma. So I'm now 45 and I have learned to cope well with my, <laughs> with my existence mm. with this condition. I have this issue, yes, and it has taken up a lot of my life, yes, but I refuse to let it control my life in a way that makes my life not happy or worthy or that I don't pursue my dreams. Like, I just, I have to have a life even if I'm incontinent. Mm, And of course, part of your life now is that relationship with Northern Health. Um, How did that come about? So I officially joined as a consumer in 2018. So I was part of the Better Births project. So I was brought in as a consumer to be a consumer on a team that was part of like a statewide collaborative to lessen perennial tears. Um, So from the Better Births collaborative, I did maybe, oh, maybe 10 um, sessions for the midwifery team at various times over the next one or two years. And I would just share my story. You know, I had an hour with the midwives. They'd have their lunch break with me. I'd show a presentation, show some photos, talk really gory, gross blood and guts stories, which all the midwives love, of course. Um, (laughs) And it just was, I was able to put a human face to the story of birth trauma because all the nurses and all the midwives would say to me, we have no idea what happens once they go home. We see them for that shift. We might see them for the next day by chance. We know that they had a horrific time. We know that they had a terrible birth experience. But we have no idea what happens to them when they go home. And so here I was five, six, seven years down the line and I'm like, well, it's been absolutely bloody terrible. And let me tell you how terrible it was. Here's exhibit A, here's exhibit B and here's exhibit C. We're completely and utterly alone. And there's 30,000 Australian women a year suffering with birth trauma and we're sitting in the corner at home rocking ourselves to sleep. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's only me. Why did this happen to me? There's something wrong with me. So that is what I did to start off with was those consumer presentations Mm -hmm. and then I did a really big one 
at the forum here at, at the Northern. Um, and the reason that I think that was quite good, there was over probably 220 staff, maybe even more. My story isn't just about a maternity experience because I have the colorectal side and I guess like the recovery side and then the mental health of having PTSD and then overcoming PTSD. The, the hospital term or maybe the healthcare term is that you work in silos and people tend to work within their own department. Sure. Yeah. So that's a very healthcare way of life, right? Yeah, it's very focused on their own Absolutely. There's no crossover. And, oh, you went in as a colorectal patient, so, you know, you're not going to hit the statistics of the maternity here. You don't feel that you have a a complementary care, maybe, complementary care, where everyone understands that you, because of your birth trauma, yes, it was a maternity issue, yes, it was a colorectal issue, yes, you now have incontinence and you need to see the incontinence nurse, but also because you're incontinent, you now have... Uh, mental health issues, which lead back to the PTSD and you started having anxiety attacks and PTSD. But all across that, if you're out on the street, that makes sense. Yeah. But you come to healthcare and you don't fit into any of the boxes. Do you think healthcare is getting better at that holistic kind of thing through what you're doing? Um, Absolutely. And I think when I did the forum and I had kind of not just maternity people in the room, I had everyone... Mm. So many people emailed me afterwards, came to me on the day like, oh, my gosh, like I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I never put it together as a big picture. So, and I don't mean that in, I don't mean to be inglorious of the amazing work that healthcare do because I can't beef you guys up enough because I wouldn't exist. I literally would not be living today if it wasn't for the fundamental amazing care that I have received on multiple occasions. So I also want to be clear for the terrible, horrific, abhorrent care that I have received, I have also received remarkable, wonderful, Mm. caring, kind, sweet, professional care. So much so that I don't focus on the negative. I have so much positive experience from many, many, many positive encounters. It's just unfortunate that I have needed to go Those, down that road. Yes. To start with. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess speaking of roads, you've actually just come back from, from overseas. Uh, and <laughs> good you've, segue, Steve. Oh, man, I'm good. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I I'm, love it. Keep it in. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the Camino Trail. What is it? Why did you want to do it? And what have you learned from it? What are the takeaways? Right. So the Camino is called the Camino de Santiago and it is a pilgrimage across Spain. Right. So there's various ways of doing it. There's a Portuguese route, a French route, etc., etc. So they have various distances. The true Camino de Santiago is a French route and it's 800 kilometres. Wow. So you basically start from France but then you walk across the Pyrenees and across all of Spain to the Crescendo, which is Santiago, which is a a town in Spain, in the Galafia region. So we actually, as a family, did the Portuguese route. So this was in July, and my husband and my two children, so Connor was 13 at the time, Molly was 12, and we walked 136 kilometres over seven days. So it it wasn't 20 kilometres a day. Like some days it might be 15 kilometres, another day it would be 27. Mm. But it was approximately 20 kilometres a day. And every day you wake up in the morning, 7 o'clock. By 7.30 you're on the road. Mm-hmm. 8 o'clock you're leaving your bags for collection and the bag gets picked up from Hostel A and taken to Hostel B. So you don't have to carry your luggage. Oh, wow. 
You carry your own day pack, which yep. is snacks, water, first aid kit, change of socks, ponchos, that's it. And your clothes, change of clothes, toiletries in that backpack gets transferred for you, which is wonderful. So the whole mm. kind of pilgrimage um, route is set up that way. Right. And we wore shells on our backpacks so people knew we were pilgrims. You have a pilgrim's passport so that every cafe, restaurant, hotel, church, you get a stamp along oh, the cool. way. So it's called a credential yep. and you have a passport credential that gets stamped all the way along and then at the end of the seven days or eight days or 50 days if you want to do it, you go to the credential office and they issue you a certificate that says you have completed the Camino de Santiago. Right. So we just did the last 100 kilometres and that's the minimum that you can do to get the certificate. Sure. Yep. And we thought, oh, well, you know, we actually calculated our route at 107 kilometres, but every day when we thought we were walking 15 kilometres, it would be maybe 19. So that extra four or five kilometres every day was you'd turn up in the town but then you have to walk to your hotel. Oh, of course. But yeah, then yeah. your hotel is up like a 85-degree gradient hill on a 35-degree day when you are already spent. So that last four kilometres actually is like it's going to kill you. Yeah. But you just have to do it anyway, don't you, Steve? Yeah, because you here you are. You're on the other side of the world. You're speaking another language. You're sweating like you never sweated before. You're <laughs> setting a good example for your children because this is what mummy wanted to do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're about to die. Mm. But you know me. I've been about to die before. So this is the whole thing. Mm. Like I have done hard things and doing this for me was just like a goal and a dream that I wanted to do and wanted to achieve for many, many, many years. Mm. So I first heard about this 22 years ago when I lived in London. I had a French colleague and she did it and she came back with a completely different personality. So we were both corporate and she was very corporate-minded, she came back and started working for the Red Cross. So, like, she had a complete shift of personality on this walk and as now still working for the Red Cross and very, very happy with herself. And I actually, I always wanted to do it and I didn't have a goal of when I had to achieve mm. this, mm. but everything kind of aligned and I just thought, you know what, to do it with my family is even more amazing than just doing it. Like, how incredible yeah. that... We get to spend this time together and all we have to do is walk. How was it with the kids? How did they... They were incredible, completely resilient. I was surprised at how, I guess, not just resilient in terms of, you know, using the word, oh, they're so resilient, but they actually just woke up, got dressed, no complaining, you know, like, like people, oh, you know, I bet they were like grouchy and grumpy and, you know, they weren't. We'd all just committed to doing this and we all just did it. So it wasn't like they were doing it under sufferance and they weren't complaining and they weren't not liking it. It was just we all fell into the the trance mm -hmm. of this pilgrimage experience. Yeah. And so, like, what I really find interesting, so I obviously have faecal incontinence. So for me to go to another country, walk on a trail where you have no idea where the next toilet's going to be, you have no idea if those toilets are going to be clean, and have what you need to have. It, like, it was just another layer for me, for me to prove to myself that I have to live. Mm -hmm. I have to live. Like, I don't care if I've got fecal incontinence. I'm, I'm not ashamed of myself. I don't live with shame. I don't live with guilt. I don't live with embarrassment. I've let all of that go off myself. Mm -hmm. So if I need to go to the toilet in the bush, I'll do it. Like, whatever. 
that is the least of my worries. But over the seven days, I only needed to go to the toilet once in the bush. So can you imagine for all the people that put off dreams and put off doing things and believe that they can't and they mustn't and they shouldn't because they have something like faecal incontinence. And then you're like, but it might not happen. And you've missed. You've missed. You've missed all that other. All the amazing things that can happen in your life and the dreams that you genuinely have that you didn't achieve because or something might happen. Mm. It might happen. Oh, that's terrible. You know, I'd be so embarrassed. Yeah, well, I don't care. And I'm I'm not going to go through my life wondering what it would have been like if I didn't worry so much about my incontinence. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of, uh, I suppose, food would have been another thing that food. You would yep, coffee. Un- the unknown. You know, yes, the unknown. absolutely. And so obviously, like I'm not a super fit person. Obviously, I'm I'm I would classify classify myself as unfit and overweight, and I didn't train like a crazy person to be ready for this hiking experience. I had a treadmill at home and I went on my treadmill uh, maybe five times a week, half an hour, maybe an hour. And I'm talking like I didn't even push a sweat every time. Like it's just, it's not what it's for. It's not to have a, um, it's not an extreme sport. The wonderful thing about the pilgrimage, and this is, I guess, the part about life where it ties into life, you must surrender to the way. So the pilgrimage is called the way, mm-hmm. the way of St. James. Yep. You surrender to the way and the way presents. Now, the thing about the way, you can only walk as fast as you can walk. So if you have blisters all over your feet and you are sweating and you are sunburned and you are exhausted and you cannot take one more step, you cannot take one more step, but you can walk on your blisters and you can walk with sore legs that have been sore for three days, mm. and you'll just walk slower. Yep. So you may have trained at four or five kilometres an hour, but here you are under different circumstances and it's very hard and it's very hot and you've got blisters that you weren't expecting and the food is different. It's not giving you the energy that you're used to. You've had a coffee and the coffee's upsetting you. You know, all of those conditions are working against you, but you know what? Like, I'm surrendering to the experience. Mm. I'm here. I'm walking slower than I thought. Sure but I'm here and I'm doing it and I do surrender. So the way makes you peel yourself and your layers and your expectations of life back. So everything is peeled back. The surrender of life is the whole meaning of life. If, if you were to ask me the meaning of life, it is the surrender, okay. that you have to actually let go of these expectations of what you have for your life and what it will be. And yet the way presents. And the way presents. Mm. And if you bring that back to my birth trauma, there is no way on this earth I would have thought I'd be a birth trauma counsellor. But actually, like, isn't that like the serendipity of life? That is the way. That is the falling away of any expectation. I don't have to be an event manager anymore. I could be a counsellor and help these other mothers that felt like I did. I give away any expectation of my life and now I'm a counsellor. The way presents. Letting go of your expectations is the surrender of life, is how your life is supposed to turn out. It's crazy. I'm just letting that sink in. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's so great. Look up. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. Tell me what you're feeling. <laughs> this is really Insp- important. Yeah, inspired. Yeah. Isn't like, it? Yeah. But just, um, yeah, to letting go. 
courageousness. Um, yeah, fantastic. And I need a tissue. <laughs> no, I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all good. Um, thank you for coming in today. Um, My pleasure. <laughs> perhaps, I, perhaps I won't do so. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I hope you leave this in, Steve. Everyone needs to know. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> don't, don't be sorry. I could do all, this all day um, and chat to you about the experiences that you've had, that you've had along the road, uh, not just uh, a physical trail that you've uh, traversed, but the one that you've been living for, for the last 10, 12 years. Um, but sadly, visiting hours are over. Thank you. It's been my honour, Steve, to be here with you. Thank you. Thanks. If you'd like to delve deeper into Leanne's birthing story and get a fuller understanding of her courageous journey, you're welcome to stay a little longer by taking advantage of our bonus Extended Hours episode. Otherwise, we hope to see you next time.